Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Well, hello, and thank you for checking out the podcast. Coming up, Bob Irving from Edmonton, where the Great Cup will be played on the weekend. Unfortunately, the game will not feature our Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We'll take a look at the weekend box office. Allison McKinnon, one of our global news reporters, new to the team, We'll talk with me about the new $10 bill featuring Viola Desmond, and we're going to talk to Josh Brandon from the Social Planning Council of Winnipeg about this idea of a low-income transit pass. All that and much more coming up here on the podcast. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, without further ado, the podcast. Kevin Hirschfield, one of our global news reporters, talking about Adam Bakehill. And maybe he will not be a Winnipeg Blue Bomber next year. He talked to reporters about that thought this morning. Take a listen. It's always going to start with my family. You know, what's going to be best for my family. And, um, you know, from there, it's you, you just kind of weigh in the other factors. But most important is family. You know, my wife, my kids, and uh, obviously my wife's family is from Vancouver. You know, we have a home in Vancouver, um, but, you know, it's got to make the right decision for them, and, and uh, you know, obviously it's got to fit in the line with me professionally, but, you know, you always got to look after your family in the right ways. And joining us now to talk about this and a, a disappointing bomber season, Mr. Bob Irving, who is still in Edmonton, and uh, happy uh, Great Cup week, Bob. You're going to enjoy the whole week out there. Thanks, Al. Yeah, I just arrived, as a matter of fact. I'm in the hotel lobby checking in, and I had to break away and do this radio interview with you. So I'm quite pleased to be on your show, though, as always, Mr. Anderson. Excellent. Well, thanks for doing it, Bob. So, Adam no Big Hill, and this kind of yeah. came at me out of left field today. I, maybe I'm the dummy here, but uh, I was sort of surprised to hear this. Well, no, I, I've known all along that uh, his... Uh, wife is from Vancouver and that they have a house there still that was you know clear to us who are close to the team from the day they signed him and that you know that would be a bit of a complication in him returning to Winnipeg I think he's enjoyed playing with the Bombers for sure Hal and the Bombers are going to offer him a lot of money Uh, but there are other considerations that uh, Adam and all players uh, can have that go beyond you know just I guess the team they're playing for Weston Dressler for example uh, still lives in Regina Mm. Uh, year round that's where his wife is and she's got a job there so he's got to pick up and, and come to winnipeg for the five or six months of the season so though you know there's things that go beyond the football field that are under consideration i know the bombers can do everything they can to convince adam big hill to play another year in winnipeg but uh, i guess we'll have to wait and see boy and that would be a big loss i think bob because he has really solidified things on the defense for this team hasn't he Oh, yeah. He's been a tremendous uh, force this year for the team, a wonderful contributor. Uh, losing him would be a blow for sure. But I think, uh, Hal, you and I have talked about this, and it's well known in the football community, the way the contracts have been structured the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, More than half the Blue Bombers, uh, probably 60 or 70% of them, are free eligible for free agency. And not just the Bombers, uh, that applies to players on every team in the league. So there's going to be a tremendous amount of pressure on the GMs to try and bring some of their people back. And, you know, the Bombers have an outstanding core. They came so very close this year to getting where they want to go. And, uh, you know, I think they'll have a great shot at it next year, providing 
they can, you know, keep this gang together to some degree. And that's going to be a real challenge for Kyle Walters, the GM. Yeah, you're going to be doing the Coach's Show tonight, 7 to 8 o'clock here on CGOB. From there in Edmonton, Coach O'Shea will be here. I played a bit of Coach O'Shea from the post-game show last night, and I made the comment, I like Coach O'Shea, I really do. And I understand that he stands up for and defends his players and, and his team. But I, I kind of wanted him last night to, I don't know what the word is, I guess uh, give a wink and a nod to the fans out there and say, yeah, you know what? Offensively, we did not cut it in this game. And he kind of danced around that, and I understand why he does that as the coach for his team and his players. But sometimes I think the fans just want to hear Coach O'Shea go, yeah, we we were kicking field goals and they were scoring touchdowns. (laughs) Yeah, I I think uh, I hear what you're saying, Al, and I hear it from fans too. Uh, Michael Shea has his particular approach to different things. I think uh, coaches in professional sport in general, uh, the fans would like them to say certain things that they simply will not say. And in Mike's case, he's been very reluctant, as you well know, Hal, and all the listeners know, Mm. he's very reluctant to single out individuals or segments of his team for criticism. And he's not going to change in that regard. And for sure, um, he knows as well as anybody that uh, their offense did not perform very well yesterday. Now give Calgary lots of credit. They have a tremendous defense, but you're not going to win games, not scoring a touchdown. As a matter of fact, I think I posed that question to him and he didn't disagree. He said, yeah, that's right. So, I mean, that in itself, that's agreeing that mm. the offense uh, kind of came up short, but for him to say things like, well, you know, the offense let us down today. He's just not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I guess we need to get used to that. Hey, I'm curious to know, out there in Alberta, is there any buzz about uh, what was said on the Calgary uh, bench yesterday by by coach? Well, Dave Dickinson uh, apologized today for those who didn't hear it. Uh, He was caught on camera at one point complaining about an official's call. And he said Mike O'Shea's name. He said O'Shea. And then he used an expletive and said Canadian. Um, and I, I did a tweet that uh, is being fairly widely circulated, I have to tell you, where I said uh, Dickinson owes O'Shea and every Canadian an apology for what he said. And today he issued that apology when he met with the Calgary media. I guess he said he didn't mean anything by it. Uh, you know, he wasn't uh, trying to get personal with Mike O'Shea. It was just one of those things that was said in the heat of the moment. So it has created buzz for sure. And Dave Dickinson has dealt with it. Uh, at least he feels he's dealt with it and, and that it's old news now. Yeah. What an unusual thing for Dickinson to say, though. Here's a guy who's who's made a lot of money uh, working in Canadian football for, what, two decades, Bob? And he, and he yeah. says something like that. I mean, just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, he explained today that they use reference terms for other teams in the league. And because the Bombers are run by Wade Miller, Kyle Walters, and Mike O'Shea, who are all Canadians, then so the Stampeders call the Bombers the Canadians. And that was his explanation as mm. to where the word Canadian came in. Uh, it was a reference to the Winnipeg organization and, and not to be meant in a derogatory sense. And so I think we have to take him at his word. I yeah. like Dave Dickinson. I think he's been great for the league. Uh, he's kind of a, you know, he's an outspoken guy. He's a colorful guy. Uh, but just the way it came across... You know, it's kind of like he was whining. I thought the Bombers got the short end of the stick in the officiating yesterday. 
but every coach is going to feel that way, I guess. Yeah. By the way, uh, Bob Irving, you can follow him on Twitter and see that tweet if you want, at Bob Irving, CJOB, and you're right, Bob. Boy, that's getting a lot of action. You've got uh, close to 1,000 likes on that uh, particular tweet right there. Look at you, Mr. Popular. Well, the CFL retweeted it today, and it said, uh, you know, veteran broadcaster calls out Dave Dickinson. I could tell you I didn't want that sort of notoriety. I'm sure Dave Dickinson might have some words for me when yeah. he gets here tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I was joking around earlier, Bob. I'd love for the Bombers to go out there and win the Cup next year and, you know, not lose a game. I, I really – but I was sort of joking. Well, they might as well wait now and do it on the 30th anniversary, right? <laughs> um, but, uh, listen, was this our best chance in a – well, it certainly was our best chance in a long time to get to the Cup, wasn't it? Well, yeah, sure it was. Look, Hal, they were down 14-11 with five minutes to go on that game yesterday. And yep. That play at the end of the third quarter where Andrew Harris was wide open and Streveler just overthrew him. You know, Doug and I were, were calling the game, and I know we were both thinking all the Bombers need to do is put together a scoring drive, and they could still win this game because they really played well in the third quarter. Uh, you know, you're three down in Calgary with five or six minutes to go, You've put up a real good battle, but uh, again, they came up short and give the Stamps all the credit in the world. They're still a championship-caliber team, and the Bombers just weren't quite good enough to get it done. I heard you on the start this morning, and tonight you and Coach O'Shea, 7 to 8 o'clock here on CJOB with the last Bomber Coaches Show of the season, and there will be people that say, blow it up, get rid of Matt Nichols, and you know, all this kind of stuff. But I agree with you, Bob. You said it this morning on the start, and it's true. Like, look how close we came. you got to hang in there. you got to try and keep as much of this team together as you can. Well, if you blow it up, then you're starting over, Hal. Yeah. That's the problem with that mentality. And I know people are frustrated. The Bombers yeah. are frustrated. I can assure you of that. You know, they're as unhappy as anybody. But, uh, you know, and you, if you're going to, you know, make all these changes, now you're back to square one. So I think you stay the course. I think they've got a good thing going in Winnipeg. They have good management. They have a good coach. They have good players. I'll have to resign them, as I said earlier. Yeah. But they know what they're doing. Uh, and, and so give them another shot at it. That's the way I see it. Well, Bob, enjoy Great Cup Week and enjoy the game, yeah. and I'm sure we'll chat again before the game on, on the weekend. Okay, Al. All right, Bob, thank you. You bet. That is uh, Mr. Bob Irving, Hall of Famer himself, you know. And uh, we mentioned that uh, I played that uh, shortened clip of Adam Bighill talking about, well, maybe not being here next year. Uh, this morning, Matt Nichols was talking uh, with us about uh, keeping most of the team intact. So Matt agrees with Bob, and I think most fans, you got to try and keep as many of these guys uh, with the team as possible. Here's Matt Nichols from uh, earlier here today. You know, there's just a lot of uncertainty. I think that the best thing about it all is I think that with the – you know, kind of culture that we've built around here and that Coach O'Shea's built around here, it makes it a place the guys want to be. So whenever the CBA and all that gets finalized, I know that that core group that's kind of been here the last few years, that's, uh, you know, I think getting better and better every year and getting closer and closer. I think that those guys want to be a part of what we have going here. So I'm, you know, I'm fully confident that most of this team, you know, will look the same as, as it was this year. I think that, like I said, I think, I think guys want to be here, and, and that goes a long way when you know you start looking around at, at other teams and other options. Uh, 
you start hearing what other guys are saying uh, around the league about certain organizations, I think this is a place that people want to be. So um, you know, I fully expect a lot of our guys to be back here. And I think that would be the best thing possible. Keep as many of them as you can. And, uh, hey, I, I have every reason to believe that the Bombers will be very close, if not in the big game next year. we got a break. We're going to come back and talk to one of our global news reporters about the new $10 bill, so don't go far. It's Hal Anderson Afternoons on 680 CJOB. If I could dance, I would dance. (laughs) I'm so happy and so proud, and those are sort of mundane words. That is Wanda Robson, the sister of Viola Desmond, and uh, Viola Desmond is being featured on the new $10 bill, and joining us now to talk about it, Global News reporter Allison McKinnon. Hi, Allison. How are you doing, Hal? Excellent. Thank you for doing this. Welcome to the team. I was hearing your voice for the first time on the weekend, and you're sounding fantastic. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, you were over at the Canadian Human Rights Museum for the launch of this $10 bill. Tell us what you know. Well, so uh, Viola Desmond, she is a black Nova Scotian business owner who was made famous by actually refusing to give up her seat in a white-only section of a theater, and then she was actually arrested. So that was in 1946. And just in 2010, actually, they kind of took that back and said, no, she was in the right. Um, But yeah, they, they put it out to Canadians to say, who should be the first female Canadian on the $10 bill, and she was selected. And as you heard, her sister is very proud of her. She's actually 91 and was saying how she goes into schools and tries to really tell what Viola really wanted and represented to that community. Yeah, Wanda Robson sounds really cool. Did you get a chance to chat with her at the museum today? I did. She's very spirited. Uh, like I said, she really wants to just um, help with her sister's mission and kind of carry it on. She says she's going to be going into schools and talking to people for as long as she can. She's 91, and she sounds like she's about 20. Yeah. She is great. She's a her. fantastic lady. God love her. Good for her. Great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think a lot of Manitobans, and not to take anything away from Viola Desmond, I mean, it's no. an incredible story, but I think a lot of Manitobans were maybe hoping it would be Nellie McClung. Any talk mm-hmm. of that at the museum today, or was it all focused on, on Desmond? It was all focused on Desmond. They did talk a little bit about um, how the museum is featured, just because for all of their work with the human rights activism and things like that, but it was mainly focused on her today. Yeah, certainly a great story, and I imagine you'll have a story tonight on television at 6 o'clock? I will. All right, excellent. Well, thanks a lot for joining us for a few minutes, Allison, and again, great to have you on the team. Thank you. Have a nice day. Allison McKinnon, Global News reporter, and watch for her story tonight on the new $10 bill on Global News Television at 6 o'clock. I wanted to play another clip relating to this. Uh, The museum's chief executive officer is John Young, and he talked about the choice of Viola Desmond on the new $10 bill. Listen. We chose to acknowledge a woman who not only achieved something significant, but overcame oppression to do so. Because it is one thing to accomplish great things when the wind is at your back, but another altogether when society is set up to sit you down. What a great quote, eh? I heard that and I thought, wow, that's powerful stuff. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. 
Absolutely fantastic. Viola Desmond on the new uh, $10 bill. And it's a good-looking $10 bill. I, I You know, I always uh, like when I get the new one. Yeah. I always try to hold on to it as long as I possibly can mm. until... Uh, you know, I have a trip to the vending machine or something like that, and <laughs> yeah. I, I sacrifice it then. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Cam Poitras, uh, first day for him today producing the show. He will be my, we're no longer spinning the wheel of producers here at CJOB. Uh, unless he's sick or the only way, if you get hit by a bus or something, then yeah. you can uh, skip a show. And, Cam, I'll but... dr- and I'll drag myself in okay, good. on my elbows. Otherwise, I, I want you here. I expect you here. And it's great to have you on board. And I'm really excited about some of the fun stuff that we have planned. We have things planned, people. It's nice to have somebody to plan stuff with. So we're really looking forward to it. And if you want to welcome Cam on board, certainly do that. You can text or call 204 780 6868. You can email Hal at cjob.com. You can also uh, leave me a message on the talk line, 774 TALK 8255. And I'm back after a week off. And I was going through, I came in yesterday and I was going through some of the messages that you left me while I was away. So we'll get to some of those as we go along here today. Um, I'll just tell you what we got coming up. We're about halfway through the show now. So I'll tell you what we got coming up right after the news at 2.30 here. Josh Brandon will join us in studio from the Social Planning Council of Winnipeg, and we'll discuss low-income transit passes. This is going to uh, committee at City Hall tomorrow, and basically, I think 13,000 is the number, something like that, minimum of 13,000 and change. Uh, people out there will have access to a low-income transit pass for about half what a normal pass would cost. And so we'll talk about that with Josh Brandon, Social Planning Council of Winnipeg, after the news here at 2.30. Winning on the way after the news as well. We've got some Santa Lucia pizza for you, and uh, we'll have uh, a tough trivia question coming up. And I've got some music I want to play on the show today as well. we got some... Uh, all kinds of stuff. Joining us now in studio, Josh Brandon, Social Planning Council of Winnipeg. Josh, thanks a lot for coming in. Thanks a lot for having me, Al. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, tomorrow, this idea of a low-income transit pass goes to committee at City Hall. And uh, basically, instead of $100, it would be $50, about half price. And I think for at least 13,000 people out there, um, does this make a big difference, uh, uh, do you think? Well, potentially will. Uh, there's a few options that are on the table tomorrow at committee. Uh, the basic option, like you said, is going to just apply to adults only for uh, monthly passes. There are other options to extend it to children as well, as well as looking at single fare options. They're talking about phasing it in, so it's not going to be 50% off right away. And that's a bit of a concern for us, because if they phase it in too slowly, we know people are already struggling with the bus fare right now. And if uh, if it's just uh, 20% off in the first year, that's going to be a real problem for a lot of low-income people. So you'd like to see it right away. Let's have an impact. If you think it's a good idea, just do it. Well, we need to make sure the transit's affordable for all residents here in Winnipeg. And right now, so many people are struggling. Uh, We talk to people every day who can't get to medical appointments. I've done interviews with young workers who can't get to their job site because they don't have bus fare. And that costs us all as a society. If people are losing opportunities, uh, if people are not having that social engagement, uh, it makes it really difficult for so many families here in Winnipeg. 
and other cities are doing this, and they're having success with it. Absolutely. You know, in Calgary, they've got a sliding scale program for low-income people. It can be as low as uh, 10%, 90% off of your bus fare, between 90 and 50%. So it's a a deeper uh, subsidy in Calgary than we're even contemplating here in Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. And so let's just use the the half price off the 100, so a $50 saving per month potentially uh, for some people. But as you point out, and, and you're dealing with people every day that struggle like this, and uh, so you're saying that that would definitely make a big difference for somebody struggling to save $50 a month on a bus pass. Well, the number of families in in Winnipeg that can't make their rent, that can't make their food budgets. And, you know, uh, if, you're, if you're in that kind of situation... Uh, Finding the money at the beginning of the month, finding $100, if you're thinking about a family, it might be $300 for two parents and a couple of kids. Uh, that's going to be a real challenge for a lot of low-income people. It means that families are cutting back on food. Families aren't making it to uh, to medical appointments or to uh, skipping school. All kinds of ramifications uh, if people can't afford bus fare. Yeah, And as a taxpayer... I look at this and say, well, if somebody's not able to use transit and now they will use it, you know, but pay something as opposed to not using it and pay nothing, it, it makes sense from a, from a perspective uh, where I sit as well. Well, you know, it's, uh, there are going to be some costs. There's going to be some lost fare revenue. There's going to be uh, increased buses that we need to put on the road because so many of the buses are already at overcapacity. So there will be costs to transit to the transit system for this, and that's why we're arguing that uh, the funding for this program can't come out of existing transit revenues. We need to find new revenue streams. We need the province to jump in as well, and we need to uh, to look at where else in the city the the funding for this program can come from. As we said, this is going to committee tomorrow. How quickly could this idea be implemented? Do you think? Well, they're talking about for the 2019 budget cycle, so it could be in place as early as next year. Very quickly, yeah. Uh, you know, as uh, at the Social Planning Council, what are some other ways that we can help people that struggle month to month to make ends meet? This is one idea. What are some other things that you guys would like to see? Well, you know, we need to see the the provincial government implement its uh, poverty reduction strategy. We've been waiting for that for two years now. Uh, we need to reverse some of the cuts to uh, housing programs and healthcare programs that are that are costing a lot of low income people. Uh, just recently, I was uh, talking with some residents in a in a seniors facility. Their rent was going up uh, November first. And uh, that meant some of them were thinking, okay, how am I going to make that, uh, that, uh, that increased uh, rent? And they were talking about maybe cutting back on food. And, you know, people in that situation where you're having to choose between rent and food or transportation, those are basic necessities. And uh, we need to make sure that all of that's in place for, uh, for residents here. And we're a wealthy society. We can afford to make sure that the basics are in place for every resident in our community. Why is, uh, and listen, I understand it's a big problem, poverty, but it seems like it gets talked about a lot and nothing ever gets done about it. And why, is it because 
uh, taxpayers aren't screaming and hollering about it? Is it because uh, the people that struggle with poverty don't have a very loud voice? Is it government inaction with bigger issues, more important issues on their agenda to stay in government? I mean, there's lots going on here, I guess. Well, you know, it's it hasn't been a priority for any level of government. Uh, fortunately, uh, the federal government now is uh, mandating, they've introduced legislation to have a poverty reduction strategy. Uh, we're hoping that the provincial government follows suit and uh, develops a clear, comprehensive poverty reduction strategies with targets and timelines for eliminating poverty here in Manitoba. And we also need the city government to step forward as well and, and look at the areas that are under its jurisdiction and say, okay, with transit, with recreation, with uh, with other city programs, let's make sure that we put a poverty reduction lens on everything we're doing as a government and making sure that the that the most vulnerable residents in our community count. Josh Brandon, Social Planning Council of Winnipeg, joining us in studio. This is all going to committee tomorrow at City Hall, so a lot more talk tomorrow, but I appreciate you coming in and kind of telling us about it today, Josh. Make sure we get the message out there. Thanks a lot, Hal. Yeah, thank you. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.